The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations to solve their biggest problems and leverage their largest opportunities. I do this through a combination of roles, from executive advisor to consultant to coach. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member of universities in the U.S. and Germany. Today, I am delighted that our guest is Dr. Bob Boggs. Dr. Boggs is a retired Brigadier General who served 41 years. He held numerous leadership positions, including Chief of Staff and Deputy Assistant Adjutant General of the Ohio National Guard, supporting over 5,000 airmen. He was the first recipient of the Brigadier Robert L. Boggs Honored Feathers of Wisdom Leadership Award. He's the author of two books, Honored Feathers of Wisdom, Attributes for Personal, and The Illuminated Leader, How Leaders Transform People, Cultures, and Organizations. He is an adjunct professor and a mentor at universities in the United States. In the context that we're focusing on in this show is really about helping leaders innovate how they lead. So for many people, we are so busy doing the work of performing that we don't have the opportunity after 12 or 14 hours a day in many cases to read a blog, read a book, think about how to be a better leader. And so this show is really designed to bring you information in a way that you can apply immediately. So the most effective transformation in many cases is that we are making small steps on a regular basis. If I continue to update, I don't need dramatic transformation of myself as a leader because I've become obsolete. So my hope is that in this show and all others, you hear one or two things that you can apply to your own leadership style, and that would be at work, at home, in sports, in the community. And Dr. Boggs's books are very helpful helpful and designed to be applicable to people across a broad range of industries. So as part of the Thought Leadership series, Dr. Boggs will share information from his book, Honored Feathers of Wisdom, talking about attributes required for personal and organizational growth. What's most interesting to me about his work is he draws from the Native American heritage to identify these traits. I find the book to be a great reminder of the nuanced traits of leaders. Bob focuses on being a wise person and how that results in better leadership. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Glad to be here today. So let's jump in. I love the references to Native American traditions and the quality that made great chiefs. So for many of our listeners, this is an unfamiliar concept. So one, give us an overview of the book and why you wrote it. And then let's jump into helping us understand why you selected that topic of all the things you could write about. Well, after I completed my PhD, I was very interested in in in-depth analysis of leadership. And Mm -hmm. I was looking for an organization or culture that, you know, basically exemplified leadership at its very best. And what I found was uh, Native American leadership chiefs from the past, how they actually led their tribes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And part of what I saw was that much like businesses today, We typically break our organizations down into smaller groups, much like tribes. The other piece to this was that in my own DNA, if I go back a few generations, there is a part of our family, our DNA, that is Native American, Mm -hmm. along with, uh, you know, other DNA as well. So I began studying uh, Native American chiefs and how they led and found uh, a real connection between their leadership style and what's needed in organizations today. 
So how does that compare to military leadership? Because you have had both sets of experience, and my assumption on the surface would be that they're quite different, and yet I'm not sure that assumption is accurate. Well, they are different. You know, typically uh, with the military, there is uh, the bureaucratic nature of the mm-hmm. military just mm-hmm. because of the size mm-hmm. and the scope of what they do. What I found with Native American leadership, the concept of humility was very, very common. Now, you're going to find humility amongst great leaders no matter where they belong, you know, mm-hmm. be, it, be yeah, it within yeah. business or be it within the military. So there are some things that you can compare and contrast that would be very, very similar. But there are definitely nuances Mm -hmm. between Native American chiefs and the way they led as well as what we typically think of as military leaders. So you said one of the nuances is the humility. Is that true? Yeah, definitely humility. And what I found, not just within Native American culture, but the people that have had great experience as leaders have great knowledge tend to be a bit more humble than those Mm -hmm. that have have not. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're so good at what they do and they're so caring of their people that Mm -hmm. humility is just a great, I'll say it's a virtue, but certainly it's it's a value that's embraced by really, really great leaders. In our work on Leader 2050, we look at humility as one of the key factors and it's about putting the organization first. It's not my ego that needs to be rewarded, it's accomplishing the mission. Servant leadership is often misunderstood, but I, as the leader, am in service of the mission, which encompasses my stakeholders, whether they be clients or airmen. If it's about me, we get off track really quickly. And we've probably seen this. I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, and I've seen it as well. But you know, for the humble leader, they certainly understand the mission and really good at the mission, but they also get the people side of business mm-hmm. as well. And people tend to relate more to you know, the humble leaders. We see that even in studies on introversion mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and extroversion, where typically you would see humility much more often, I believe, with those that have at least a little bit of introversion, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. Introversion and extroversion have values for any organization provided it's not overused in in either Mm -hmm. category. Yeah, I'm an introvert, so big fan of introversion. (laughs) Me too, a little bit. Yes, I'm a little bit to the right of introversion, which is okay. You know, it's interesting. One of the things, especially in coaching, I'm called in to talk to people about not being, quote, leaderly. And often leaderly to the person making that statement is bravado, bombastic, the big personality traits. Right that we see on occasion are perceived as more effective, but I think your work and mine probably points to not really. I think you can accomplish the mission and you can do it in such a way where you don't have to be, as you say, bombastic. You know, you can lead with humility, and humility does not mean weakness. I, that's the distinction I think is really important. And sometimes it's seen as being a weakness, but yeah. it is not being weak. It's not being passive. It's being extremely thoughtful. Mm-hmm. It's being knowledgeable and applying that in the workplace, which basically opens up the workforce to be more innovative, more creative, mm-hmm. uh, willing to share information, willing to speak out when they need to speak Mm -hmm. out. So it also means I'm willing to ask for input. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I would say that's where we get into the concept of participative leadership. And and you would find the Native American leaders to be very participative and extremely supportive. I Mm. think what you might not see quite so much of is the directive leadership, which is normally associated with many leaders within business that are Mm. extremely mission-driven. And and there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with being mission-driven. There's just different ways to Mm -hmm. be mission-driven. We refer to it sometimes as a mindset. If my mindset is that of humility or servant, my behavior shows up differently than if my mindset is, I need to buy a new Mercedes. (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) And not that I'm opposed to Mercedes. (laughs) It's what's my, where do I place my primary focus? Is it getting more, I say ego, but is it that I get recognition or is it that we meet the mission? And so that's just, I guess that can can be a bit of an issue in in organizations when you're focused more on ego versus Mm -hmm. the mission, which by the way, you then accomplish through your people. Yeah. Yeah, you you can make some really bad decisions, and it can have some negative effects for the organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the contrary to that, then, is the pathway to wisdom. What is it, and why do we care about the wisdom of leaders? I would have to say wisdom is the connection between our personal development and the direction our organizations have to take for a healthy, happy, and a productive 
work life. Okay. I mean, that's the way that I look at it. So certainly there is the knowledge piece of, of wisdom. You know, mm-hmm. We always mm-hmm. need to be learning. We should be reading the books or listening to the books or, mm-hmm. or you know, observing and, and learning and that sort of thing. But then we have to apply that towards the organization and its direction. And how do we do that? Well, we do that uh, through our leadership skill set and how we interface with others. So can you give an example of someone who stands out? And part of what I'm thinking of is I go into people's offices occasionally and they've got a shelf full of books and sometimes they've read them. That doesn't necessarily translate to I've internalized and I'm actually considered wise versus I read a couple books. Wise. Well, I tell you, someone who, who impressed me, I heard him speak, you know, several times, I've read his books, was a late Dr. Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. You know, he certainly understood, you know, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which I still go over, you know, from time to time, as well as his son's work, you know, Stephen Covey on the Speed of Trust. Mm-hmm. But definitely they come across or he came across as being a very wise individual that understood, you know, human behavior and how to apply that. In Native American culture, the leaders of the past, we saw that with Chief Joseph, if you will, with Tecumseh, and with many others, if, if we take the time to study their leadership mm-hmm. style, mm-hmm. from speeches that were written, their own words that were captured, if you will, some very wise writings. If you want to, to learn about wisdom, go out and read the words of the chiefs of the past, mm-hmm. and you'll find them to be very, very wise, very knowledgeable. You talk about the pathway to wisdom. So what did they do... I mean, I realize there are many pathways in different traditions, specifically in the Native American traditions. Was there a common path even? Well, there were what I found in my study that there were certain attributes that were very common among the Mm -hmm. chiefs. Mm -hmm. I defined them as being the bestower, which was basically a benefactor that gives freely uh, to others. There was the companion who was a friend who was easy to relate to. And then there was what I called the guide, which is the person who directs others along a desirable path. And they are also very much into sharing what knowledge uh, mm-hmm. they have with their followers, with mm-hmm. members of the tribe, with members of what we would call you know, our organization, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. But by doing that, and I hesitate to go through all 19 right, attributes right. which fall within those categories, mm-hmm. but you know, certainly concepts of compassion and caring and knowledge mm-hmm. and leadership mm-hmm. and many others. So I'd be curious, do they identify, so say I'm in a tribe in the past or even now, so is there a path of of initiation that people go through, or is someone identified by lineage maybe, that someone was a chief so their son or daughter would be in that role? Uh, You would see that in some cases, in many cases, actually, but the other piece to that is acknowledging goodness mm-hmm. of a person and making them achieve because it's somebody that you would want to follow. Okay, so there is succession planning in essence. Yes, I, I would say in, in a sense there would be succession planning, but just as we pick leaders today, mm-hmm. you know, if we have succession management, you know, within an organization, typically if we were to get this right, mm-hmm. we would look at whether or not a person or persons that are going to succeed and become you know, leaders, senior leaders, if you will, within the organization, do they understand the strategic plan? Do they understand the mission? Do they understand mm-hmm. the goals? And just as importantly, do they understand the values of the organization which have created that culture? And then can they continue that culture if the culture is right-minded and it's taking the organization in the right direction? So it sounds like, at least in part, a selection for characteristics and traits. In part. Okay. Yeah, and that's a very important part. (laughs) Well, and I didn't know because, you know, monarchies, you're declared by birth. The Dalai Lamas are selected based on something different. So I'm just curious across traditions if there's a selection or a predestination, and it sounds like more aligned with our current succession planning. I realize the words don't fit in their culture. Right, right. Cultures vary. You know, what mm-hmm, we value mm-hmm. varies, but when it comes to leadership and leadership development, we have to choose wisely. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we would look for, and certainly in Native American culture, what I saw was that the, the leaders that really stood out were the ones that were wise. Okay. That they exhibited the values that were shared uh, by the tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as an example, when, when we look at Native American culture, particularly Native American culture from the past, you would see these characteristics, such mm-hmm. things as compassion, caring, you mm-hmm. know, kindness, but also leading your people 
people in the right direction, protecting your people. And okay. quite often, what you would also see with chiefs, which you wouldn't see so much in business today, mm-hmm. not so much, is that they were also quite often the poorest members of the tribe because mm. they would give away what they have to others in need. Now, now we certainly have that within our culture, but it's not necessarily associated so much with the world of business. Let's go to break, and I would love to hear a little bit more about that differential, because I assume that that sense of service that translates to how we deal with money also is reflective of their overall qualities. Good point. So we will be right back. This is Dr. Bob Boggs and Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and we're talking about Bob's book, Honored Feathers of Wisdom. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf. And Dr. Bob Boggs, and we're talking about the honored feathers of wisdom, attributes for personal and organizational growth. And specifically, again, we were talking about Native American traditions and the idea that the chief or the leader often gives away uh, many of their material belongings. So, can you connect? Why is that? To your point, it's not necessarily what our executives do as in an era that 2017 is supposed to be specifically focused on CEO pay from a board governance legislation perspective, there's often an imbalance. Often an imbalance, but you have to look at the culture of organization. So we can look at the extreme cases of, let's say, an Enron, Mm -hmm. where the values may have been posted if you will, on, mm-hmm. on bulletin boards, computers, and that sort of thing, but did not live up to those specific values. In the Native American culture, they have the concept of the giveaway. And literally, it was better to give than receive, which we even see in religious teachings, if you will. I would say in the business world uh, today, there is a lot of goodness in community outreach, mm-hmm. as an example. So, you know, so many organizations, a huge percentage of organizations have community outreach programs, which is a smart thing to do. It's the right thing to do. On the other hand, or it really isn't on the other hand, you, you have uh, charitable giving. Mm-hmm. But we need to internalize that into the organization to ensure that we are supporting you know, those folks that come to work every day that support the mission of the organization, mm-hmm. ensure that they're taken care of as well. And that's what chiefs did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was also awareness uh, you know, due to the size of tribes. Mm-hmm. What I would say is that leaders today 
And typically, we only have so many direct reports, you know, if you will, to be aware of what's going on with your direct reports and those folks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, around the organization, you know, that you interface with and make sure you have some awareness of what's going on. And based upon mm-hmm. that awareness, do the right kinds of things for folks, because there's always issues. You know, there are things, there are family members that are ill. You know, there, there's always things going on that leaders should be aware of and mm-hmm. should acknowledge and should support in any mm-hmm. way that they can. It's interesting we talk about the income disparity and again moving into an era where people where companies are having to report the multiplier between lowest pay and executive right. pay a time factor of x and then we look at some of our biggest CEO donors Warren Buffett who seems to live relatively modestly and we do have role models in this society for what that can look like I think we need a few more role models <laughs> <laughs> And yet, I'm happy to have a nice car and health insurance. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all, right? We have to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Uh, We live in the real world. We live in the physical world and that sort of thing. But you would think there would be some limits, Uh, particularly if you profit – you know, so much, and you neglect the needs of others within mm-hmm. within the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's wrong-minded. But that's that, to me, that's wrong-minded. Well, and that, I think, and then we'll move on to something else, that gets to our principles. What do I stand for as a human being? Right. What are, my, what are my values? What are my principles? And, and so looking back at the Native American chiefs of the past, you know, their principles were centered around their people. Okay. Uh, supporting their people, making sure that they had what they needed, you know, the basic necessities mm-hmm. of, of life, if you mm-hmm. will. So it was all about, you know, taking care of your people. So stewardship. Absolutely. And I realize money played a different role, and that should probably be a totally separate interview. But it is interesting, the intertwining of economic measures and the perception of someone's importance in the community. Good point. If I'm rich, I'm equal successful rather than I take a stewardship role. It's part of our culture. Yeah. Part of our culture. Changes slowly, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just is the environment. So I understand why leaders need to be intellectually smart, but why do they need to balance intellect and emotion? And let me say the reason I am asking this question, and I see people who invest their development time reading books, getting intellectually smarter and yet they don't take the time doing the things that get them emotionally smarter. Good points. It's good to be smart, right? It's good to understand the business that you're in, to study through the periodicals, the writings, through observation, to be the best you can be at whatever it is you are, you know, yeah. if you will, within, yeah. within the world of work. And we get that. But the truth of the matter is you're never going to be the best you can be, and your organization is never going to be the best it can be if you only focus on the intellectual. And that's why we understand through concept of emotional intelligence, you know, mm-hmm. self-awareness, awareness of others, that, you know, to truly be balanced, you know, as a leader, you need to be knowledgeable, but not just from an IQ perspective. You know, we can't even change IQ, if you will, but, you know, we come into the world with a certain IQ. But what we do know is through emotional intelligence, we can actually become more emotionally intelligent by understanding ourselves and understanding others. So I would say it's good to have great IQ. But it's also good to have uh, EQ. And I think too often we find supervisors, managers, leaders Mm -hmm. who could probably do a little better in the emotional intelligence arena. And we can learn this. So I'm going to try to go from recall, and that's not always a good idea. But it's something like the differentiator between effective and highly effective leaders. So assuming other things are relatively equal, education, IQ, relatively equal, the differentiator between okay and fabulous is emotional intelligence. By 85%, that's the differentiator. It is definitely a differentiator. And I will also say that if for no other reason, although the reason for EQ should just be emotional quotient, Mm -hmm. increasing that goodness in that, but it also has a direct impact on pay. As you look at the emotional quotient and you improve in areas of personal awareness, self-awareness, awareness of others, if you will, it also enhances your career opportunities, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you will, and it also impacts the bottom line in a modern organization. 
So for listeners who don't necessarily know what emotional intelligence is, and for those, again, who are thinking we're saying being wimpy, which it is not, I want to take a stab at it and have you fill in. If I am emotionally aware, which does not mean I'm going to run around talking about my feelings, it means I am aware of what I'm feeling and I manage it. So if I'm angry, it gives me that extra capacity to say, I'm going to go for a run, or I'm going to call a friend, or I'm going to sit quietly rather than going down the hall and yelling at someone. So there's a skill to be learned in awareness and management. And then the second half of that is I'm aware of the people with whom I work and their requirements, their needs, their emotional presence and I can manage our interactions in a way that is supportive and helpful. And some days supportive and helpful might mean I raise my voice. Other days it is absolute compassion and caring. It's being able to apply to any situation because I'm reading what's happening, not because I've memorized a list of attributes. Right. You don't want to pull out the list and say, you know, this is the way I need to be today because it's on the list. <laughs> today um, I'm, I'm practicing assertiveness. So it, get out of my way. It, but you, you bring up a very good point. The self-awareness is what I say a very important, you know, first step in emotional intelligence. Just be aware of yourself. Be aware of how you feel mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that, you know, why is it that I tend to become very aggravated? What makes my palms sweat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you will, my heart start to palpitate and that sort of thing in certain uh, situations. And just being aware of that, you know, tying into kind of the, the, the physical manifestation of mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. actually says a lot. And when you do that, then you can uh, basically implement a strategy such as counting to 10 or 1,000, <laughs> you know, depending on what's what's <laughs> going on, on uh, you know, taking a drink of water. I mean, there's different ways to do that, but, you know, understanding more about yourself. And so mm-hmm. we begin with self-awareness. And, and once we're doing a better job of that, because you have to get, you know, through self-awareness, then it's becoming more aware of your surroundings and and the people you're around. If you walk into the office and you're not really paying attention to tone of voice, facial expressions, Mm -hmm. and and other things that are going on all around you all the time, if you're not aware of that, you're not going to be as effective as a manager, a supervisor, as a a leader, Mm -hmm. if you will. But when you can tie into that and understand that and pick up on those nuances, then you are going to be much more effective. And if you react appropriately, you're going to have folks that are willing to follow you, that want to follow Mm -hmm. you for all the right reasons. Yeah, not just because you're in charge. (laughs) Not just because you're in charge, because a lot of times, you know, the person that is really in charge is not the person on what I call the food chart, Yeah. uh, you know, so to speak, or org chart, other folks Mm -hmm. would use that term, but it's who they want to follow. The informal leader Mm -hmm. is every bit as important as the formal leader. So back to your role then as a military general, where did you see this set of traits, emotional intelligence, wisdom, where did you see that and how did you see it developed, either in that world or through your research or in your current work? By observing leaders within the organization from my very first days uh, in -hmm. in uniform, I was very lucky to have worked for a senior non-commissioned officer right off the bat who was just extremely wise, Mm -hmm. uh, very caring, and also very mission-centric, if Mm -hmm. if you will. But the way he treated me, the way he treated others, his respect for every individual that came, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, came into, you know, his area, regardless of rank. I was going to say, this is often irrespective of rank. He didn't care if it was a general or a young airman that was coming in there. Mm -hmm. They were his customer. He cared about them. And so I was very lucky uh, when I started my career in the military to have been assigned to a senior non-commissioned officer who just exhibited just, you know, phenomenal wisdom. Uh, Now, there were times when I worked for folks that didn't exhibit, you know, that kind of wisdom. But, and you probably heard this before, where people have learned a great deal about folks who are really, I'll say bad. I don't know if I Mm -hmm. want to say horrible, but I guess I could say horrible leadership traits. And you learn what not to do in that case. So I've been really lucky over the years to have great leaders to observe. Mm -hmm. And I've had, you know, one or two that really were on the other end of the Mm -hmm. scale. And Mm -hmm. I learned how not to lead. And, you know, like within any organization, a whole lot of folks in between probably meant the very best, Mm -hmm. but uh, had room for development like all of us. You know, I've heard great stories from other generals about NCOs being some of their best early role models. 
like, sir, you need to you need to do this or you need to not do that. Right. That the system is structured when things line up. I would say with I, I'm not here to speak for all of the military, oh, right, of but I will certainly speak towards my experiences in the Air Force. And I was just so impressed by our first sergeants and our senior non-commissioned officers who really were doing the heavy lifting mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. organizations. Certainly, uh, you know, the officers had, you know, important leadership roles and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But where you connected to your people most directly was through your senior non-commissioned officers. Mm-hmm. And because we trained them effectively, mm-hmm. uh, we fully role modeled the right mm-hmm. way to behave. Mm-hmm. We exhibited the values that we held to mm-hmm. be most important. You know, in the Air Force, that was integrity, service, and excellence. By exhibiting those values, if you will, and living mm-hmm. those values, my goodness, the non-commissioned officers were just phenomenal to work with. And so it strikes me, again, that leadership comes at all levels, not just with a title of colonel or general officer or... Everyone's a leader, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's leading self. And we've mm-hmm. used the term before, you know, yeah. leading self versus leading others. But if you begin by leading self, then eventually you will end up leading mm-hmm. others if you exhibit the kind of characteristics that bring about great leadership. And if you can't lead self, you shouldn't be leading anyone else. Yeah, maybe we put you in a cubicle with four <laughs> sides. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Don't do that, okay? Don't, you know, don't do that. But some folks are better um, you know, with a keyboard and a monitor. And, and there's a place for those folks as well. Some folks should never be made leaders mm-hmm. because they either are incapable of doing that you know, for, for, for whatever reason. Yeah. And we find more and more individuals that uh, even prefer not to be leaders because of, you know, the work mm-hmm. that's associated with it. it. It's not an easy path mm-hmm. if you're going to do it correctly. I think that's an interesting point. The, the thing that keeps coming back to me in Native traditions is this idea of initiations and there's a path. Right. And I'm assuming in the military there is as well. You go through a series of initiate. I'm sure they're called classes or schools, not initiations, to develop into those later roles. Well, absolutely. Professional development is extremely Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. uh, in the military. I'm sure we see the same thing in the profit and not-for-profit side of business Mm -hmm. as well, but it's basically studied, if you will. You know, as an example, I went through uh, several senior leadership development courses, Mm -hmm. opportunities, and academies, and you keep growing, you keep learning. That hopefully adds to Mm -hmm. wisdom if you're paying attention. I would say most do, some do not, but, you know, it's all about that growth, if you will. You know, it's something that's fascinating to me, and we may come back to this after break, that some of that learning happens outside of the classroom. So, again, I go back to uh, the wisdom traditions of initiation. So it would be something like a vision quest, not sitting at Harvard in a desk in an air-conditioned room. In the military, I'm assuming you have a lot of opportunities to grow that don't involve air conditioning and climate control. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take every the climate control whenever I can get it. Um, <laughs> right? But actually, it's the application of what you've learned. You know, It's taking that knowledge and going out and applying it mm-hmm. in the real world. You know, for me, it was climbing Kilimanjaro at a point where I had not much, right? It's a backpack and I'm freezing, I'm tired, I'm hungry, every part of my body hurt. That was part of where I connected to emotional intelligence, to my inner strength, to, to a whole lot of humility. Yeah, there's a whole lot. When you, when you have not showered for a week, and there just aren't facilities like we're accustomed to, right. and body parts aren't working, there's a level of something that we touch into. And that's part of what I'm trying to get to, that sense of initiation that happens. We're applying and finding within ourselves mm-hmm. who we are, I say it doesn't come in a classroom. It doesn't. It's where we're really stretched and every cell of our being is. Right. The difference between academics and the real world <laughs> and maxing out your stress level. Mm-hmm. Right. So we will go to break. Uh, Maureen Metcalf and Bob Boggs talking about honored feathers of wisdom, attributes of personal and organizational growth. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf and Dr. Bob Boggs. So let's go back to your book, The Role of the Chief. It looks like they had a lot of influence, but not necessarily command and control. So how did they lead? What were the traits or characteristics? And how might we, again, apply that today in our current organizational settings? And so you're bringing up a very good point. How do you ensure that you have followers when they don't have to follow you? Okay, In businesses today, people follow because... First of all, they get a paycheck. If that's of Mm. concern, I think that's of concern. But when you look at Native American chiefs, they were basically generous. And, you know, generosity is very, very important. Uh, That's a wonderful trait. They were compassionate. They really cared uh, for their people. And people really know when you care for them. They can tell if you care Mm. or you do not. I think the other thing is people were willing to follow chiefs because they were also just. Ah, that's interesting. So by being just and fair and equitable, if you will, you're going to have followers, if you're like. And then the other thing is they were also very courageous. Okay. And again, this is where we get into leading by example and being courageous and might even want to use the term, you know, being very brave, even used to using the term brave Mm -hmm. uh, when you Mm -hmm. talk about uh, Native American warriors, if you will. But by being generous, compassionate, just, and courageous, you're going to have followers. Okay. And people who follow you because they choose to follow, because, not because it's required. Not because they have to, okay. not, by, not by law, uh, if okay. you will, or because there's a paycheck involved in it, but because they want to follow that person, mm-hmm. you know, because they're seeing those characteristics, they relate to those characteristics, and that brings about meaningful followership. So those were, again, just courageous. Generous, compassionate, just, and courageous. Okay, so those sound like some that seem we would call soft, but then this just courageous brave are not soft at all. Those are, I'm going to step in front of whatever to protect my people and keep us moving toward the mission. Which is absolutely something we would see. And, you know, so maybe an example we have of that is the mother Mm -hmm. who takes care of the child, if you will. It's not unlike that. It's that we protect what we value. We protect Mm -hmm. what we love. Mm -hmm. And in this case, you had chiefs who, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, they love their people. Mm -hmm. and, And so they would be courageous on their behalf. 
Going to a business context, I know of a CEO who took a drastic cut in pay when the business went sideways because of some things happening in market conditions, not because of mismanagement. And his goal was to keep his people whole so they could continue to serve clients and so that they would have time on their side to work through the challenges. So I think even in business, we see some, not many that I know of, right. who really will put their personal economic needs on the line to ensure the, the humans. Yes, they want the business to succeed, but really they care about the people on the team and the families that are counting on their good decisions. In this particular case, I would say, this is what I would call the companion. Mm -hmm. And you will find, you know, in some leadership theories, you know, if you mm -hmm. will, that you, you can't get close, you know, to your people. Yeah. And what I want to say is you can get close to your people. I'm not saying you necessarily want to get phone calls at night to, you know, can you please come over and can I borrow my you know your pickup truck yeah. to move me into my new apartment. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but that's okay. Yeah, or you know, I'm in if, jail if, if for you drinking. Want, yeah, or, yeah, whatever the case may be, it's okay to care about your people. In and fact, it seems appropriate. I don't know how you would lead without really caring mm -hmm, about your mm -hmm. people. It can't be just business because business without people, it's not really what I would call a successful business. You know, I think this to me gets into the transition from the industrial era where people working on assembly lines were part of the equipment in essence. Cogs in the wheel. And now we expect smart, full human beings to show up and solve complex problems. And smart, whole humans come with a whole set of stuff, aging parents, sick kids. And I can't disaggregate. I went through my putting my mom in assisted living because she had Alzheimer's. There were days that I had to show up and do my job, but boy, was my heart focused on this precious woman who was struggling. Right. And anyone who was managing me, if I'm manageable, would, would, have, would have recognized that I wasn't 100, my body was there. Right. But as that caring boss... And that's where you get loyalty. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have a boss who really cares enough to understand what's going on in your personal life, not necessarily interfering. I mean, there are limits right. to that. But if they care enough to understand what's going on and to support you in that way, believe me, you will support that boss mm -hmm. and the organization mm -hmm. when you're needed. And that's where you end up getting loyalty. And I think you get to that by considering your people to be more than cogs in the wheel, to actually be a companion to your folks. Mm -hmm. And that's not soft. I mean, you still have to make the tough decisions, but you make them mm -hmm. for the right reason. And you do it care and mm -hmm. compassion, even when the news isn't exactly what people want to hear. And this person I'm thinking of who did take the significant pay cut, he also let people go. Right. And he right. stood up for his people when clients were treating them badly. So he had that fierceness of a mother watching their child run into a train track or something. Right. Absolutely fierce. But he didn't yell at people. That fierceness was expressed through his caring action and decisiveness, wisdom and willingness to act, but act with deliberate thought and care. Not denigration, you know, basically caring for your folks. Sharing the bad news as well as the good, but doing it in such a way that you do not in any way demean, mm -hmm. you know, those people that you have responsibility for as a leader. It's clear when he is unsatisfied with someone, this individual I'm talking about, but it's almost like the parent saying, I'm disappointed, right. not the parent going into a rage that I have to go hide in wherever is safe. It's a different I'm disappointed. Expression. This is why I'm disappointed. And here's what we can do to eliminate whatever issue that we're dealing with and to get back on track. So in some of our current leadership development approaches, we miss or underemphasize these traits like kindness and patience and cheerfulness, some of the right. characteristics you have in, in your 20 traits. How do we go about helping leaders develop these attributes? And I would say even more emphasizing, and, and I know some of your work is in culture, right. emphasizing that that's the culture and the environment because I keep coming back to this idea that some of the leaders I've been called in to coach, I think are actually quite effective, but the environment doesn't acknowledge kindness and patience. If the environment is a pounding, screaming, command and control environment, those people that I would consider good based on your traits and my research are told that they're broken and to be corrected. Well, you need to understand
understand, obviously, the culture within the organization. If the culture is such that concepts such as compassion, caring, kindness are unacceptable, mm-hmm. then maybe we need to think about going somewhere else. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, Unless if, you have... If, if you are a senior leader within an yeah. organization and can have impact on the culture, which, by the way, is the hardest thing in any organization to change, is, is mm-hmm. the culture. But you see what many would consider mm-hmm. to be soft concepts, which are not soft at all, as being value-added then you have to follow the teachings of Gandhi. Hmm. You know, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. So you have to exhibit it. You have to live it. You have to acknowledge it. You need to reward it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have to punish those who do not follow mm-hmm. those values, mm-hmm. if you will. Reward, you know, the oldest management principle in the world. Reward what you want to see more of. Punish what you want to see less of. But again, do it in a in an in appropriate. A caring, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're not caning people right. in the street. So. Yeah, that I would not recommend <laughs> that. <laughs> well, and again, so for people who are hearing, that's just that fluffy stuff. I hear real teeth behind what you're saying. That everywhere from the tribe to a small mom and pop business to the American military, there are some principles about the traits that create loyalty right. that we're often not taught. I wasn't taught this stuff in college when I was learning studying economics. Right. But they are consistent across the range of environments and that in many realms this kind of leadership is still seen as a little delicate and not as effective as the, I'm going to tell you what to do, and if you don't do it, I'm going to lob your head off. Well, if we look at, and you know this, if you look at what's being written now, what's mm-hmm. being studied you know, academically as well as mm-hmm. by real business leaders, we're seeing more and more being written about these concepts of kindness, caring, compassion within mm-hmm. the workplace and the benefits that brings to the workplace. So we're seeing more in that area as we continue to move away from the industrial era into an area where, in an era, if you will, where we are more concerned about brains than brawn. Okay, I like that. Both are okay, Uh uh, but we're really concerned about the brains and winning people over Mm -hmm. to the mission of the organization and making them a part of that. And you don't do that through brawn. Or bullying. No, bullying can have its effect, but it's (laughs) It's maybe not the one we're looking for. (laughs) It's it's very negative, having Uh experienced that too. You know, during my career, I saw Mm -hmm. what bullying can do to an organization, and it wasn't pleasant, it wasn't helpful, and it really was not productive. Thank you. On that note, we're going to wrap up. Not productive. That these traits that Dr. Boggs is talking about really create organizations that inspire, inspire people to show up, bring their entire self, create commitment, engagement, loyalty, and the absence of those inspire (laughs) compliance, turn my brain off, do what I'm told, no more, because that puts me out of tolerance, and I'm punished. So for our listeners, I hope you found something today that will be useful. If you aren't experimenting with concepts like compassion and kindness, I really encourage you to pick a small experiment and try it out. See how people respond to you, not giving up the rest of who you are, but just as if you were adding a little bit of extra salt to the stew. What would the extra salt of some kindness and compassion look like in your daily life? And if you are doing it, thank you. And what other traits did you hear from Dr. Boggs that might be useful for you? Please reach out to us at Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations on Facebook or me directly at info at metcalf-associates.com. Thank you for joining us. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 
Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you? It's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business. Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to find the answers inside yourself. Our guests are business professionals just like you who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real, live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The leaders of today have certain characteristics that set them apart as success stories. These leaders have discovered how to lead in ways that transform their organizations. Now you can discover the same concepts, insights, and practices that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore how to lead change and transform your own leadership every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.